Snap Studios. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Support for Snap Judgment comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you can get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Snapadapas. It's your boy, Glenn. And we are so proud here at Snap Central Snap Underground Lair because we just completed a brand new podcast, just released the first two episodes. And I just want to give you a taste, just a little bit of the first episode of the show. It's called Spooked. Hold on. Turn on all the lights. Listen to the first story from Spooked now. When I was 10 years old, I read a book, a very famous story that Harry Houdini and his wife, they made a pact. Whichever one of them passed away first, let the other know. Some way, somehow, if there is life after death. And so I told my brother, only one year difference between us. The neighbors called us Irish twins. I told him the story and we made the same vow that Houdini did. And over the years, as we grew older, this pact turned from a conversation among boys to a promise between men. Bruh, remember, I know, somehow, some way, whoever goes first has to let the other know. Then he grew sick, started to remember things that never happened, dark things, angry things. No, I never stole from you, brother. How would I hide your child from you, brother? I have no hidden plans, brother. Brother, please get better. Please get better. And one day, he did get better. As if the fog lifted, he looked at me, smiled like old times. Man... I've been saying some crazy stuff, right? <laughs> Dude, it was like someone, something else took over. I saw another me and another you. Like, 
I was here and there at the same time. He said, Remember? Remember our promise, right? Yeah, I remember. Well, alright then. Alright then. We laughed together. It had been so long since we laughed, but we laughed. A week later, I picked up my phone and heard my sister screaming. Then I heard myself screaming. I knew he had passed, felt myself falling, curled into a fetal position on the ground, praying that the universe was a liar. Silently reaching for my other self, my twin, touching nothing. I don't recall months. I don't remember the funeral. I don't remember collecting his things. I don't remember any of it. And only later, when I saw my shadow waving back at me, of its own accord, did I remember our promise. Brother? Is that you? Brother. Later at the San Francisco Powell Street BART station, riding up the escalator, I saw a dude with dreads just like his, wearing an army jacket just like his, right down to the Grand Valley State Laker patch on the left shoulder like his. What? Then my brother turned around and smiled before he vanished. Brother, 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 brother. I almost peed myself. And you think, you think I am seeing my own sorrow. And I understand that, but you're wrong. I've seen him. And I want to know about this veil, about this ribbon between here and there, between us and them, between the lost and the living. You see, mysteries abound. Things go bump in the night, and the only way I know to navigate this road is to ask people their stories. Is it scary sometimes? Do I get scared? I do. But I know this. He promised. And my brother always kept his promises. And that's why Snap Judgment and WNYC Studios proudly presents Spooked, a brand new podcast, amazing stories from real people crashing against the unknown. We're dropping new episodes, real stories every week as we rush toward Halloween. The one night that some say the universe pulls back her curtain between the living and the dead. My name is Glenn Washington. Question everything. The Spooked Podcast starts now. (laughs) 
imagine. It's the middle of the night. You're not even 15 years old. You're home alone with your little brother, waiting for your mom to come home. Waiting and waiting to hear her car pull into the driveway. And you're wondering, what if she doesn't make it? She had a night shift job in Salt Lake, which was about 70 miles south of where we lived, soldering um, electrical components. I, um, I think she was actually working on missiles. I think she was, uh, Sperry Rand was, uh, had a um, defense contract from the, from the federal government. So when mom went back to work, my older brother Kent had been babysitting us, but he had been drafted and was in Vietnam at the time. So uh, after he left and went into the service, it was pretty much just Rod and I, and my younger brother Rod, and I was mostly in charge at that time. So um, yeah, when I got off the bus every day, there was nobody there. We're responsible for making dinner, cleaning up, taking care of ourselves, getting ourselves to bed, and um, usually up again the next morning because mother would come home and she'd be sleeping. So. Um, yeah, that was, that was the way it was. Remember, this is uh, the 50s and a Mormon community. Uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody that I knew of was, was getting divorced at the time. And it did. It made me different because I was the one that was coming home uh, uh, to a house without a mother in it. So one night I'm sleeping and I'm suddenly awakened. And I sit up in my bed, and I look around the room, and I try and figure out what it was that woke me up. And I'm thinking it was some kind of sound. And for some reason, my attention uh, goes to my bedroom closet, where I can see that my old tap shoe box has fallen from the shelf above uh, the hangers. And I thought that was quite strange, but nonetheless, I went over and I picked the box up, and and put the black patent leather shoes back into it, put the lid back onto it. And then, of course, I went back and got into bed. But I couldn't lay down. I just really just sat there under the covers waiting because I was feeling like I was supposed to be up for some reason. And I knew something was going to happen. I can't explain it except that I felt like I was waiting on something bad. And I would have gone and told Mom if she'd been there, but, of course, she was at work. And so I was in charge, and I was very well aware that whatever was going to occur was going to be in my lap. And then I heard the thud. And then I heard another thud and another thud. I knew they were coming from my left side as I was positioned in my bed looking out my window. And that would have meant that they would have had to have been coming either from our garage or the ward's place on the, uh, on the other side of it. The ward's place was right next door to us. Thud, thud, like that. I remember hearing that sound, you know, as it diffused out over our orchards to the west. Then I heard another one. And then I thought, well... <laughs> I better get up and check the rest of the house out because I'm in charge now. 
I felt a real deep concern. So I go and I check out the locks on both the front and back doors at first. Then I go into the kitchen and I turn on the light above the sink. So I'm standing at our porcelain sink and it has uh, windows all the way around it. I just stood there for a while and just like anchored almost, uh, as if I was supposed to just be in that spot. It did seem at that point that something bad had taken hold of the night. My first fear was for my mother. She had to drive that 70 mile drive, you know, all the way home uh, in the dark. And she was always complaining about how tired out her eyes were after staring eight hours into a magnifying glass. How, you know, how tough it was uh, to keep from falling asleep on that drive home. And I told God, would he please protect her and our black Chevy? Protect me from becoming an orphan. It's more just sort of maybe a dread. My, uh, my breathing alters a little bit. I prayed off the dread of a call from the police. Right then, sirens. Sirens come screaming down Highway 89, and four um, patrol cars screech to a halt in the ward's driveway next door. And, well, all I can think about is Donnie, the one with the wild reputation. But I can't understand why it would take so many cops to arrest one guy. Uh, the policeman gets out, they hide behind the doors of their cars, the sheriff gets out the megaphone. Uh, it was just like in the movies. And he started, he, he, he first called for Mr. Ward to come out of the house. And then he called for Mrs. Ward. And then he called for Donnie. But nobody came out. What I saw was a policeman. I saw him come out of the house and he was headed in our direction. And this really worried me. I, I remember watching him walk over their lawn, crossed our double driveway, and then he selected the cement path that led to our front door. I went and turned on the porch light, I turned on the foyer light, and I opened the door, and there were two people standing there. Uh, it was him and a woman. Now, I assumed she was a plain-clothed uh, policewoman because she wasn't in uniform, but nonetheless, she was with him. I told them my mom wasn't at home, you know, hoping that that'd make him go away. Uh, but he said no, he still wanted to come in, and I let him because he was holding a baby. He came into the foyer, and she followed him in, and then left us. And I had the notion she had just gone into our kitchen. But anyway, I didn't have too much time to process it because the policeman was trying to inform me what had occurred next door. Some people had been shot. One of them was this baby's mother. Uh, she was dead, and so was the baby's father. The kid was about three months old, and I could see blood on her pajamas. Uh, he said they were waiting for the relatives, to, some relatives to come and get her, but they were coming from a ways away. It would take them a while. Uh, they happened to be short on personnel. They needed everybody over at the ward's house. Uh, so they didn't really have anyone to watch the child. He said he'd seen the kitchen light on. He'd seen me standing in front of the kitchen sink, and he wondered if I would take her in. 
I don't even remember <laughs> saying yes before he ditched her with me and gave me her bottle and I noticed it was only half full and wondering what I was gonna do if they didn't get there in time. I was wondering if the kid came with diapers. I was thinking I might have to go swipe one off one of my old baby dolls. And that caused me to think about this woman that had gone into the kitchen. I, I had never seen her leave. When I walked into the kitchen, I did see her, but I could see through her. <laughs> and that's when, and that's when I understood uh, the woman wasn't with the cop. She was with the baby. She's very, very shook up. And she is standing in the corner. She was apologizing. That was the first thing. She was apologizing for being there, but she also told me that she was going to be there for a brief time. Uh, this was the baby's mother. My curiosity more or less kicks in at that point, and I don't really feel a sense of fear. So then I told her that I knew she was there and that it was okay. And after that, she seemed to relax a little bit. Uh, she relaxed, actually, a lot, because it wasn't because I gave her permission to be there. It was because we could communicate. And that seemed to be of tremendous relief to her. So after establishing the identity, I got all practical. Um, I realized I wasn't going to be able to hold that baby all night, that I was going to have to go make it a bed. She follows in, us into the living room, and she walked right across that living room to the opposite side and stood in front of those plate glass windows. And I remember looking out those windows and seeing those stars shining over those huge uh, rocky mountains. And she would stand there the rest of the night. She was focused on me and the baby. And there didn't seem like a lot of time to be fearful because um, I felt that she was there for a reason. I don't know, I think I uh, she was communicating her thoughts uh, to me because I felt a lot of emotion and um, I felt her concern about what had just happened. And I knew she was troubled because she didn't know who I was or if she could trust me with her child. And I wanted to alleviate her concern, so I told her, hey, don't worry. I babysit all my ne nephews and nieces, and I've got 11 of them. And then I told her how sorry I was that she had just died. Uh, maybe it was my own fears that were feeding into things. I mean, I had just prayed off not becoming an orphan myself, and there I am holding one. Um, but I suddenly felt the pain of a mother and a child divided. I was um, sad. <laughs> I was very, very sad. Um, then I felt her disappointment. And then I felt her hope. She really hoped that her child would be able to hear the story and not let it ruin the rest of her life. Our relationship was um, quite practical, it seems. But most of the time, yeah, I held her really close um, next to my chest. I was quite protective of her. I just rocked her 
uh, kept her safe. It was really important for me um, that she felt safe because she kind of wasn't. The baby was really quite a good baby. Um, I only remember her waking up once and crying, and then she slept the rest of the time. So, you know, I've often wondered if her mother's presence, if the, if the child felt her mother's presence. And I think that was the whole point of her being there. She was sticking around until she was sure that, that the baby was in the right hands. Well, I remember when mom got home and pulled into the driveway, I was at the, you know, I was at the door waiting to tell her what had happened. Um, and uh, it was probably about an hour or 45 minutes after she arrived home that they, the relatives came and picked her up. Um, they were very kind to me and, and, like I say, very appreciative. There wasn't a big transaction. We, we gave them the baby, and it seemed like they were off. Um, as soon as the relatives had departed and the baby was, was gone, so was she. So I'm sure that she went with the child. And by then we had learned what had happened. Uh, this young woman had been having an affair with Donnie, and uh, she had just asked her husband uh, for a divorce so that she and Donnie could carry, you know, for their, forth their lives together. And uh, her husband was a Brigham City policeman, and after his shift he had gotten drunk and then drove down to our little town to settle the score. He uh, shot Donnie, and then he shot uh, the mother, and she was holding the baby. Uh, they were standing in the kitchen, and she was holding the baby at the time, and the baby fell with her to the floor, which of course explained the blood on the pajamas. And then the shooter turned the gun on himself. So the thuds that echoed over our peaceful orchards had been bullets. This sort of thing just didn't happen in our part of town. And it had given me some celebrity to have, have it happen right next door. So the next day, when I returned to school, I was the center of attention because everybody wanted to hear this story. You know, it had made the uh, Box Elder Journal by then. So, and I told them about the policeman. I told them about the gunshots and the baby, but I left out the ghost. Why didn't you want to tell them? At twelve, you crave ordinary. <laughs> I didn't want to be seen as unusual or different. And the other part of that is this was uh, a private a very powerful experience that I was hesitant to share. It was mine. Snappers, if you dug it, listen to the rest of this episode. Just subscribe however you got this podcast. Subscribe at spookedpodcast.org spookedpodcast.org put it in your search engine snap presents spooked and hear this episode and another one waiting for you right now spooked podcast we hope you dig it peace support for snap judgment comes from odoo what is odoo well odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need Odoo has apps for CRM, 
accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap.